As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Test, test, test. This is a test. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 933 Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting typically out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. This is not typical edition. This is pandemic edition of Android's Dungeon. If I sound extra lethargic today or a little less engaged, it's because I've had my second dose of the experimental shot, and it is it is hitting me, folks. It's real. Uh, I've managed to go a year and a half without getting a cold, and here it is. Here's my cold. Here's my headache. Here's my sore body reacting to getting stabbed by the good folks at uh, the $26 billion profit company, Pfizer. Android Dungeon is a show about books, movies, games, music, whatever happened to us as we walked into the studio. Normally I'm joined by Joel. He is absent at the moment. He's supposed to be here. He is not. He is potentially bleeding out on the side of the highway, a victim of apocalyptic raiders for daring to cross Lord Humongous. He might show up at any moment, though. He might not. So in the meantime, you've got me. And check us out on Instagram, 80 Radio, CFRU, Androids Dungeon on Instagram, sorry, 80 Radio CFRU at gmail.com. Or check us out on Twitter, Droid Dungeon Radio. I'm getting all these things mixed up. I am, I am out of it. Absolutely out of it. Um, Android's Dungeon. Normally I'd bounce off my co-host and ask what he's been playing recently, but we're going to save that because I think uh, we'll have a bit to talk about when he decides to show up or when he gets here. Uh, In the meantime, I'm going to let you know what I've been playing recently. And it's, it's two variations on a theme. Uh, one of which is arguably a game I've been waiting for for ever since it was announced. And when it came out, I was this close to buying it. And instead, I was still holding a grudge from the immense disappointment that was its predecessor. But the game I'm referring to is Resident Evil Village. I don't know it's tech- if it's technically considered Resident Evil 8. Uh, but I'll just call it Village from now on, even though in the marketing campaign they use the VII rather creatively in the title. Anyway, Resident Evil Village is the sequel to Resident Evil 7, and it is set in Europe, Eastern Europe somewhere, I think, even though everyone seems to speak uh, uh, British English, who are the NPCs, or maybe they just have US accents, but uh, it, it really doesn't matter. It's about the setting, and... The plot takes over with, once again, you playing in first person, Ethan Winters, the protagonist from the first game, or the seventh game, in the mainline entries. There's many more than that, rest assured, who ends up running around this European village and investigating its four corners and fighting the lords of the village, essentially. Um, I'm not going to get into too many spoilers, but I'm just going to cut to the chase, and I give it two thumbs way up. It is extremely refreshing to see, but yet again, the Japanese seem to have outdone themselves from their Western counterparts and have created a game that is, as far as I'm concerned, game of the year. There's still more time. There's still more stuff that's going to come out, and uh, there's still more, you know, potential for it to be usurped. But I think at this point, the odds of Resident Evil Village being topped in my eyes are extremely low. And I've been telling everyone that 
the reason I like it so much is it takes everything I like from 7 and makes them better. It takes everything you like from 4 and adds them to this game and maybe tweaks them a little bit. And it mashes the two together and you end up with this title that is just a perfect fusion between the two. And it is a rare game that I finished and I, w I could have played another 10 hours of it in a second, in a heartbeat. It was just that engaging. It, it hit all the, the, the dopamine-producing loops. It hit all the great little serotonin floods. Everything about the game was, from start to finish, tremendous. Uh, with the slight exception of, and this comes up a lot, where people say pacing issues, uh, which is, is a legit complaint, uh, but I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, in general, if you're looking for an action-adventure video game that... Uh, I still think it's quite scary in parts. It's not horrifying, but I don't think it's any less scary than 7, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but if you're looking for a game that's going to get your pulse pounding and give you a good sense of a power fantasy and a good sense of blended RPG elements and exploration and genuinely rewards the player for doing interesting things, this is the game for you. And it ran like a dream, an absolute dream, on the uh, machine I played it on, which is using a graphics card from five years ago, a 1060, which, as far as I'm concerned, there's because of the total screw-ups with GPUs and how the market has completely screwed up with that, there's zero reason for you to be freaking out over GPUs. If you've got, a, if you've got a, uh, something that was half-decent five, six years ago, you're fine now. It's still fine. Nothing's changed unless you really you you burned yours out doing something stupid with crypto or you've just been it, you you didn't go far enough with that original purchase and there's nothing wrong with that. But that said, runs like a dream, and I want to point out too that this is a case where if you go online and get a crack from the one of the few people in the industry who's actually cracking Denovo games, the Nuvo games, excuse me. And apply it. Even though it removes Denuvo, it also removes the Capcom built-in copy protection. And this created a bit of a stir because the cracked version of the game actually runs better than the legit version of the game. And a lot of people, including myself, jumped at the bit to blame Denuvo for this. And apparently it wasn't necessarily Denuvo's fault. It was Capcom's own built-in copyright protection, which is kind of an odd thing to do when you're already paying boatloads of money for Denuvo, which is the, the most difficult copy protection scheme on the market today. It's weird to add that double layer. I, I don't understand that process, but apparently that second layer, or first layer, depending on how you look at it, uh, was tied to checks for certain animations of certain enemies' attacks. And this would result in, and you can look at footage online, it, I couldn't believe it when I saw it, but it would result in you going from, let's say, 120 frames or 60, 70 frames per second to dropping down to like 10, 15, 20. I, I could be wrong on those numbers, but the, the, the bottom line is it's a drastic reduction, super noticeable, and it was during certain attacks or certain moments in the game tied to animations. So anyway, suffice to say, when the crack version of the game came out, you could apply this patch, whether you had the illegitimate copy or legitimate copy, it would remove the copy protection from it, and the game ran better. And this created a lot of embarrassment uh, initially for uh, Capcom. I don't know if they actually apologized, uh, but they did announce that, and I'm not sure if there's a patch out, if they are either removing or fixing their own built-in copy protection. But I feel like Denuvo is not long for this world on RE8 or Resident Evil Village. Uh, they'll probably follow suit like they did with their predecessors, in which Denuvo is there at the beginning, and then after a couple months they remove it, maybe when their license expires, or they're like, well, we're not really accomplishing anymore, we can build a little bit of goodwill, and uh, you know, we don't care. Our sales window is, for all intents and purposes, it's closed. We can get stuff on sales or the odd person. So, anyway, back to Resident Evil Village. The game itself is just extremely fun and aside from the uh, aforementioned pacing issues at the start of the game it moves quite briskly and you never feel bored or frustrated at all and it sets up this fantastic gameplay loop that I was describing which involves exploration and action and typically 
what's going to happen is the village itself is going to be this hub of sorts and some areas will be closed off and some areas will be open and you'll need certain tools to kind of get to different parts and those tools are doled out uh, as you play the game and as you return to the village with all its different sections you're going to be looking for treasure searching buildings uh, hunting animals um, and the village itself is going to be changing here and there as time goes on, whether it's places that are blocked off or no longer blocked off. Enemies will be in certain places. New enemies will be back. Um, and even more drastic changes involving total additions to the environment via uh, NPCs that are off screen. But this the central gameplay loop of exploring the village is extremely satisfying because the whole point you're exploring is getting more resources, which are very sparse at the beginning of the game. And as you get better at it and your weapons get more powerful, you suddenly feel like you've got more supplies. But your weapons get more powerful because they've added this merchant character, just like from Resident Evil 4. And the merchant character is this fantastic uh, character called the Duke. And it's this morbidly obese fellow in the back of this caravan that kind of follows you around magically sort of throughout all these levels. He'll just show up in weird locations with all his wares out in front of you, all set up and ready to go. It makes no sense story-wise, but it's just cool. And it's it's self-aware, not an obnoxious sense, but in a, it's a video game. The character is mysterious. Just go with it type deal. And you acquire... So, like I said, the central exploration loop, you're getting items, but you're also looking for treasure. And there are treasure maps and special sections. You can find weapon upgrades or really expensive treasure. And you sell this stuff to the Duke. When you kill enemies, you get either ammunition or... Actually, I think it's only money. I don't think they ever drop ammo. I could be wrong on that. Uh, they, but they, some, they drop resources to craft ammunition. And you go to the Duke, you trade stuff in, you sell it, and you upgrade your weapons, and they get more powerful. And the Duke's... And the, 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 later on in the game, what's going to happen is you're going to find opportunities to sell him food. And what he does is essentially cooks up a meal for you and uh, himself that provides a permanent boost to one of your uh, primary stats. Not in a sense of like strength up by one or strength up by two, but it gives you boost to your health or gives you reduction in damage when you're blocking and uh, boost in speed and things. So really cool stuff. And it just ends up being this fantastic thing where it's rewarding the player for going around and exploring, rewarding the player for being observant, rewarding the player for hoovering up everything that is not nailed down. And speaking of picking things up, they again brought back something I absolutely loved from Resident Evil 4, which is the briefcase. And no longer do you have the simplified Resident Evil-style uh, inventory where you just have six slots typically and you got to make do with that. Um, now you've got the briefcase where you can do a little bit of Tetris in your spare time, making sure things fit in their proper place, and it lets you organize things in a nice way that satisfies your OCD compulsions. It, it's brilliant, and you upgrade your briefcase as time goes on to make it bigger, to fit more stuff. Tons of fun. Such a simple, lovely little thing that they've brought back. And the fact they did bring it back, just it, this game is as good a sequel as anyone can hope for in the year of our Lord 2021. And it's a miracle that we got something as good as this because I mentioned that I was holding off buying it for a while out of uh, uh, spite. And the reason I held off, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, is that the predecessor of this game, Resident Evil 3 Remake, which came out a year after the RE2 Remake, was one of the worst games I've played in a long, long time. It was a full-priced, two-hour-long, palette-swap DLC that they masqueraded as a full game, and it was not good. It was not good at all. If they had sold it as a $15, $20 expansion to Resident Evil 2, I wouldn't have been complaining. I would have been disappointed, but I wouldn't have complained. But I paid full price for this, and it stunk. It is not a good game, and it was a huge waste of potential, and it was almost a step backwards in almost every conceivable way, um, considering it was such a lazy copy and paste, more or less, from Resident Evil 2. So... Anyway, that game was just not worth it. And then when you went back to RE Village, it's just a total apology. A total love letter to the game and the series and the fans. And because of that, they're now considered officially forgiven. And maybe in the future, the wallet can be put away. Or it can be pulled out when they uh, put something else back on the table. But considering the track record is the closest Star Trek or Bond movies at this time with regard to one being good, one being bad, 
it's it's tough to give them the benefit of the doubt. So that's why you never ever pre-order kids, unlike Jack, who made that mistake too many times in the past and will never ever do it again. Uh, I think I hear the sound of Joel hopping into the Discord, so I'm just going to pause here and we'll get him in. Joel is in the studio. How are you doing, Joel? Do you feel refreshed? Oh, <laughs> kind of groggy and weird. I don't like taking naps, really. No, I try to avoid it at all costs, especially this time of the day. Maybe something after lunch or like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, or if you know you've got a big night ahead of you, you can get away with it. But like, how long do you sleep for? Two hours. Oh, my God. I don't know. It's like maybe it's the heat or something. Maybe I have heat stroke. I don't think so. Were you outside? I just feel weird. Uh, not for very long, no. Hmm. I didn't even think it was that hot. Out. It's it's warm, but it's it's like it's pretty nice. Twenty degrees, lovely day. Yeah, it's perfect. I know if that happened to me, I would not be sleeping. It would be I, my entire schedule would be screwed up completely. We're talking about having to uh, abuse medication to get back to sleep. Dang. Oh, you mean like at night? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Like a two-hour nap at uh, like four o'clock? No way. Yeah, could be rough. I don't know. Maybe my sleep's just like way off right now. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> so what did I miss? Well, what you missed was I was talking about uh, Resident Evil Village delivering my ver. Does it being my game of the year so far for uh, computer games or at least Vidya? It's the best thing I've played in a long time. Almost perfect. Almost perfect. So it's a huge, hearty endorsement, and I can't wait to see what they do, and hopefully they learn all the good lessons from it and keep going down that road versus their bad habit of, well, let's change things up. People really like this one, so let's strip things down and screw it up and then wonder why people don't like the games anymore. So we'll see. Um, Did not bother you? Because I watched a playthrough. Mm-hmm. Does it not bother you that like there's so many cutscenes where all of a sudden you lose your agency and like you're just like okay I guess we're doing this now and you get thrown off a roof or you know you just, something weird happens to you and you're into the next section or something or are you just thinking like that's just you beat the chapter and now you're seeing what's next kind of thing? Well, I know what you're saying and what you've brought up is actually one of the big issues with where people complain about the pacing early on because there's tons of cutscenes for like that for the first I'd say hour and it is irritating but you can skip them and but for me yeah I see it as a, an end to a section I don't find it that irritating it's only when it's constant where it doesn't let you do anything before like okay opening a door oh geez it's cinematic doing this oh geez it's cinematic we didn't need to do that um, so the games that's the only thing that separates it from perfection as far as I'm concerned is the severe amount of that at the beginning but a lot of other games people praise to no end like persona like the the latest one that came out i remember the the intro of it was just aggressively like that where it's like run over here okay here's a five minute conversation run over here five minute conversation just like oh my god i just like we're past the tutorial i understand how to play the game you don't need to keep doing this or at least like give us some time in between this like let things breathe but no, I, it didn't bother me at all, and, and it gets way less by the end of the game. So, because there's just more content uh, before stuff like that comes up. So, um, highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it, and it runs like a dream. Too, that so. uh, the giant vampire lady, tra- lady turned out not to be so friendly after all. <laughs> no, she did not turn to be. Uh, turn out to be. Did you so have friendly. it in your head maybe that she was? gonna marry you (laughs) you guys are gonna settle down together (laughs) i think it was about the time when uh the the, so the the body damage ethan takes the the character is just extraordinary and if you watch the playthrough you know what i'm talking about but so the first time you the second time you meet her uh you basically have uh hooks thrown into like driven through your hands and you're hung up from the ceiling and you have to like wrench them out and pull yourself down you think oh geez no she's not uh she's not a nice person especially after she cuts your arm off so it's uh it's the magical juice that just lets you uh, reattach stuff it's fantastic tons of fun doesn't take itself seriously at all well too seriously uh there's it, it's not just total wackiness and 
absurdity. So magical juice, the magical healing juice. What have you been playing, Joel? Aside from the one that we're going to uh, hi- highlight the show with. Well, maybe this is why I was I'm so sleepy because I did get I didn't get home till almost midnight last night. It's late. Um, because I went and did this Guelph League of Disc Golf, and then from there I went over to our good friend Estefan's house. Oh, shoot, I forgot all about that. I was in bed by nine. (laughs) Uh, Well, you missed out. Um, So, we we didn't play one, well, we did play 1v1, but I, it was kind of a 2v1. So Chris show his roommate Chris was there, and so I put him like on my team more or less. We were basically just playing with the one v one rules. I don't even know. I didn't even get the rule book out to figure out what the actual rules are for multiple players. I assume you just agree and you know work as a team. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I did. Close enough. Uh, but it was War of the Ring which we've spoken about before as one of my most loved two-player games. I don't think um, I could name... Like, for strictly two-player, I'd say it's in the in the top five for sure. Maybe top two with uh, Twilight Struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, like, I do like uh, Seven Wonders Duel. I think that's probably the best overall two-player game just because it's so accessible. Uh-huh. Twilight Struggle probably being the best uh, two-player game for you know an enthusiast. It'd be the Kenner Spiel de Joel. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> Which apparently the Kenner Spiel this year was super light, and people are upset because they say it gets lighter every year. You hear about this? Um, I saw the... The the game that it was, but I was so bored at the 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 box and the the hubbub <laughs> that I just didn't even click on it. I just didn't care. It looked like some sort of like uh, crime game or something. I don't know. It looked like deduction. And Spieldr twenty twenty one. Spieldr's Paleo. Well, that's why everyone's talking about Paleo all of a sudden too. Yeah. So yeah, I thought the, uh, Paleo is heavier than the one that they picked, isn't it? I thought Kennerspiel was supposed to be the more advanced Wait, one. This is Ken- yeah, Paleo is the Kennerspiel. Oh, okay. And then uh, I don't know what the spiel the air was, to be honest. Maybe it's something even lighter. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, War of the Ring is... I mean, we've talked about it before, but it's a... Uh, you throw yourselves into the story of the Lord of the Rings. One of you plays as the Fellowship. One of you plays as the forces. What do they call them? The Shadow Forces. The forces. Of I, the... I, I can't remember. That so sounds good to me. Are they evil? Who knows? They're an alliance. What are their goals? I don't know. Subjugation of the rest of Middle Earth or something. Maybe they had a really good social plan planned out after the subjugation of it's the possible. elves and the humans and the hobbitses and the dwarves but they never got to you know their dreams were never fulfilled and history is written by the victor and in this case the victor was a little hobbit and his friends oh cute um in the game you can have either side win uh but we got to like i said just about midnight and chris said you know guys i i think i'm gonna call it you guys go ahead and finish and mm-hmm. me and Stefan looked at each other and said uh, should we pick this up again tomorrow and then we thought you know what I think we're alright we're just going to call it so we did not finish Okay. Uh, they, there was a lot of time spent kind of like explaining things to Chris and just like debating what we should do where and I was just kind of letting him drive but giving him the options that kind of thing so it, it was running pretty slowly compared to mm-hmm. our usual games mm-hmm. but uh, it was a lot of fun Chris loved it I offered to lend it to them though and Chris said hey, you know what I'm right I'm alright I'm not gonna play this <laughs> it's a f- you know I like the honesty It's a... uh, he's never seen Lord of the Rings come on never read it 
So uh, he, I think he's actually intending to now that he's played the game. He's, he's, he's found a lot of the story interesting, and he think him and his girlfriend have been going through series. Apparently they've gone through the entire Marvel movie series twice. Oh, <laughs> and oh yet what a sad state of affairs. Lord of the Rings. What a sad state of affairs. <laughs> but I, it stands up. I know that not everybody in our D&D group agrees with me, but... Lord of the, uh, it's, think... it's extremely underrated. It's very popular to, to yeah. uh, take a big old dump on Lord of the Rings because I think it was just everywhere for a while. It was so ubiquitous now. But it's kind of like people who are like, like take a big old dump on Tarantino stuff. It's like you... You you were not. I've never heard a compelling argument against it beyond it. I didn't like it, or it's it's smug or something. It's like it, your personal preference does not constitute uh, an objective takedown of Lord of the Rings or Pulp Fiction. You got to do better than that, buddy. So classic hot take, I think. Well, they they did it in uh, Clerks too. They made fun of Lord of the Rings. They said, here's the first movie, and it's like a hobbit walking. And then second movie, hobbit walking. Third movie, hobbit walking, drops in the ring. Yeah. That's, that's something else. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like, there's only one trilogy. Yeah. Is it a nine movies now, or a dozen? I can't keep track how many Star Wars movies there are. Well, the, I guess... The, I like that they just became so wildly unpopular they stopped making them. <laughs> For now, it, I guarantee that's that our little lull is not going to last. Like that's it's going to be gone. Like we'll be well, drowning in guess, it again. Can you guess what's happening now? Well, I, I think I've heard something about the Obi Wan stuff, but um, I don't know well, about the rest. The Thrawn, I think maybe they're doing something with him. In the background, obviously, is what I mean. Like who's making them? Right, they've got this woman who was doing them before. I can't remember her name. Are you talking about Kathleen Kennedy? Kennedy, yeah. yeah. And obviously, they're just like, "Yeah, we're done with Kennedy. Go ahead." Let's... The Favreau faction. Yeah, <laughs> let's see what Favreau has to do. And uh, interesting enough, because uh, I watched Loki this week, um, and it was actually quite good. Really, oh, you liked it. it? Okay. Um, it was made by this. Um, writer I had never heard of, Loki writer, but I I saw him in the credits at the end, and so I looked him up, and uh, let's see if I can get him here. Loki writer. Yeah, I don't know who is the writer of Loki. Oh, there we go, Michael Waldron. Do you know this guy? Mm, no. Yeah, neither could I. But uh, apparently. He was also um, well liked, well received. So, in a combination of like you know two successful TV series from two different branches of Disney, now Michael Waldron is working for um, not only Kevin Feige and Marvel, but also going to be doing some stuff with um, with Star Wars. Oh, interesting. So. Basically, they're saying, you know, we're done with all of the crap, and obviously Mandalorian was massively popular. Maybe we put these two people together, <laughs> we might get a, a lucrative Star Wars movie. Not necessarily saying it's good, but maybe a lot of people will watch it. This remains to be seen. It's, uh, it, frankly, because I, I watched Mandalorian way after the fact, and uh, it was, I, I think it was just... It was better than the movies, but I still don't think it was like brilliant television. I wasn't sitting there thinking this is like Sopranos or Breaking Bad, where I'm going, "Oh boy, wow, this is this is incredible stuff." Like it, it, it's entertaining. That's all it is, and that it didn't talk down to me. It didn't condescend. It didn't insult me or uh, just hit me in the face with the fact that uh, this is a your Star Wars. It's like okay, fine. That's like, it was perfectly acceptable, and I, I feel like as long as we can hit points where it's like perfectly acceptable and fun and entertaining i don't care just give it to me and but i didn't get what it. i loved about it was a bounty hunter movie or show just, yeah it's well it's an easy hook too. Base even though bounty he, hunter that's what i'm about base bounty hunting 
Space <laughs> bounty hunter. Yeah, it is based as well. <laughs> based space bounty hunter. <laughs> Which is odd because they didn't really like as far as I they kind of dropped the whole bounty hunter stuff pretty quickly. I was thinking there was gonna be yeah. more, you know, like okay, I gotta do this contract over here, but it's more just like it revolving around Grogu. Which is fine. Perfectly Grogu, fine. Grogu, he's adorable. <laughs> Painfully cute. All right, musical break. We'll be back to discuss the, the 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 title card, the feature of the show, which is uh, a game of Western Empire's mega civilization. Stay tuned. Now that you're located with the stars, all right? You look for the signal light, and there it's like to the left.
Now the disabled power station. Methods of destroying public water supply. Construction of booby traps. If this stuff's being put out in quantity, why, it's dynamite. Dynamite is treason. It's chaos and murder. Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was three tracks off of the brand new album by Ritual 87. The album is Anthology of Evil. And in case you can't tell from the distinctly Carpenter-esque vibes, uh, you know, it's not even that Carpentery, but we'll just say the, the 80s horror synth vibes. It is a uh, dark synth album. First track, Summer Ritual. Second track, Ghosts in the Empty House. In Empty House, excuse me. And The Revenge. Brand new album. It's, it costs nothing on Bandcamp. Go see Ritual 87's Bandcamp and support the man if any of that's interesting and just fall down the, the lovely deep rabbit hole that is synth wave and dark synth and minimal synth. Then you get in the dungeon synth. Then you get in the Berlin school. Then you just never get up. You're just trapped in this endless so to one synthesizer on a single note. Just boom. Just staring in the distance. Totally. totally I happy. heard that the, they had the synthesizer. <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> and uh, I knew that the synthesizer was a sound of the future. So I used the synthesizer. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's a track from... Uh, Random access memories when they oh I see uh, cut from an interview in that famous uh, 
Same as DJ. From the 70s, the 80s, and then into the 90s and the 2000s. <laughs> it's not John <laughs> Peel, is it? Like, there's no way John Peel is doing Daft Punk related stuff. Anyway, whatever. Uh, so, this weekend we got to do something we haven't been able to do for a while. And something that we've been talking about for a long time and we attempted uh, feebly to uh, recreate online uh, which was a bit of a flop as far as I'm concerned and that is a game of Mega Civilization or Western Empires and we were able to scramble up six people it was getting a little worrisome by the end because we had people drop out, drop out, drop out and uh, we were this close to uh, as Joel said polishing off the trains polishing up the trains to put down uh but we ended up with six which is uh for a long time joel and i I think we'd agree that that was our perfect number it's uh the sweet spot and i i don't think i've changed on that too much but i think we can talk about that in a minute uh but we managed to get six people together and we played a game of civ and we played from start to finish i'd say we started in earnest uh around 11 uh, 10 30 11 o'clock i think that's when things really started clicking and uh, we finished by six o'clock. Do you think, Joel? Like right at six, or a little, like kind of trailing from five forty into six to wrap things up. Yeah. So it it was almost exactly, I'd say, between the break for lunch and some kind of the odd slowdown. It was basically an hour a person, which is generally what you allocate. And uh, considering it was one player's first full game, a second player's second full game. Uh, Seth had not played in a while, so it's, I'd say it was a refresher for him as well. Uh, but he had probably played the same time Andrew played, to be honest. Uh, and, but I don't know how many games he has under his belt. And for Patrick, you, and me, uh, it was, uh, another entry into the much-cherished anthology of Civilization, uh, games. So, let's, uh, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Joel. What did you think of the game? Uh, in comparison to the one that we played outside, it was a really hot start. I mean, we really got out of the gate running. I know that we had like kind of not not selected, but just kind of accidentally got a group of near veterans. I like nobody was new. Two of the players had only played once before, but we didn't yeah. have to sit down and have this like. 30 minute discussion yeah, on like, yes. here are all the phases of the game blah 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 yeah. this is what each one does you know once we got to cities once we got to trading we didn't have to stop and say okay so trading happens like this you know it's like there were some like intermediate questions but they barely even slowed the game down maybe a minute maybe two and then we were off and i think yeah i i think that was kind of the contribute co- contributor to us finishing were um just like everybody was like jumping out the gate and man it's such a good game and we've talked about it so many times that i don't know how much i want to just like talk about the game how it exists and everything like this if you if you've been listening to the show yeah or if, i don't know maybe you, you didn't listen before and you do now um i'll just give a quick summary of like where we came from in civilization i mean like back in I want to say 2016 or so, uh, we were invited over to the boardroom. You were the uh, first one there. I didn't get to... Uh, I showed up after, I think. Jack, Jack came in late to the party, but he yeah. was he came in roaring. Yeah. <laughs> um, invited over to the boardroom to play uh, Mark McKinnon's copy of Advanced Civilization. He's like, you know, I have this copy. I've always wanted to try it out. I, I don't think he'd even really played it much really? in the past forty years, right? Because it oh, okay, forty years it <laughs> come out like uh, nineteen eighty or so. Is that right? Uh, Advanced came out later. Something? It was, I think, it was in the nineties actually. Okay. Um, but yeah, we 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 played the classic version first, and like it was the only version that existed at that time. And uh, we probably played it maybe four times. Jack probably came in at least by the second time, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played with some people that you know I haven't seen since, but they were really nice people. <laughs> They're just yeah. I don't know different lives, and yeah, blew us away. Like uh, it was still just as long. It was like you know maybe ten, twelve hours, 
but it quickly became our favorite game. We spent a lot of time talking about it. And ever since, I mean, we've just kept going and going and going, uh, getting more involved, uh, you know, met the designer at Gen Con and then, you know, went back and forth during uh, COVID times to help them out with some things. But yeah, all credit to 999 Games. Their CEO is a major enthusiast, and uh, the main designer there, Flo DeHaan, is, uh, you know, doing some, like, cosmetic and uh, balancing uh, touches on it with Mega Civilization, which is the 18-player version, which got released, and then we were, like, talking about it for a long time. We managed to play that one 18-player game. Mm the university of guelph where jack and i uh were so dedicated to making it happen we actually spent the two of us uh were on top of 18 players just making the game run we didn't it would, I, it would have been impossible otherwise unless we were dealing with total veterans but it's yeah. the administrate like the, by the time you're finished shuffling it was time to go again so <laughs> yeah yeah we would just every time there was a trading phase we'd sit down and like <laughs> we can breathe for a minute yeah. otherwise we were just constantly helping somebody with something or de- yeah. solving some debate or this and that yeah i i to this day i have no idea what happened on yeah, the board. I, I know roll one and <laughs> i know that there were two people ahead of him but he plotted on i know that he came with a spreadsheet yeah for his exact builds <laughs> just hilarious it is but cute. yeah two people ahead of him and he just plotted on and uh took advantage of some good draws which i mean that's that's the game let's look at the game we played this time right and i did explain to stefan and chris last night you know i was like you know trade card acquisition phase was over there shouldn't have been any shenanigans with card drawing but once you drop epidemic you know you can't just be like well never mind (laughs) i'll put that back (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah and then the craziness that ensued after i've never seen anything quite like that so we can get into that in a second uh well you know why don't we just address it now because it's like there's not much to talk about but um well why don't you set up because you i think you have a deeper understanding of what happened because to be honest i was i was partially checked out at that point yeah it's kind of a, a neat story of you know civilization is not a, a static game it's very dynamic and there is definitely like a, anything can happen at, <laughs> at any time. Uh, and this is a perfect example of just like the, the chaos that can ensue from one little tiny like push. And then there's this domino effect. So Jack and I had played really well all game. Not only have we played really well, we had traded really well. Uh, we had, um, you know, our own little kind of like part of the world carved off in the east. Uh, Jack had made one really nice clutch decision where it ended up that he would sit on seven cities while I sat on six, which kind of made a a bit of a difference, but also coming out of it, he uh, sort of like took perfect advantage of it. And in the end, you know, we, we got hit with a ton of calamities, same as most civilizations games. But what we ended up having is a situation where him and I were sitting on the cusp of victory and everybody knew it and everybody had been kind of uh pushing to stop us but not really like kind of a half-hearted attempt it was yeah i was kind of surprised because uh, patrick, patrick was do really much. doing everything he could well you were no mostly victimized by him but yeah yeah which was i mean hilarious in its own right because all of his all of his work basically ended up pushing me closer to victory yeah that's where we're gonna get no he was trying to stop me so yeah so let's let's pick up there so we're we're coming into the last round or what we hope is the last round because two of us uh have all the requirements to end the game and we're at the last stage of ast and everybody is at least two behind us on the ast track everyone else has been kind of knocked off and like we've said in other basic versions if you're not moving forward every single turn you've lost you're out Mm. um typically i mean i've never seen it not happen um and so fair though joe sorry i just gotta hop in it's the we've just never seen anyone really go after the leaders that hard though yeah like true it's 
it's never it's been, and even in this one, I was terrified Andrew was going to pull it, go turn around, just like send everything at me, which would make sense. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have begrudged him at all. I would have been frustrated, but I would get it completely. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, like, I don't Any know questions? what you were, what you had it? in your mind, but like, once Patrick, you know, threw himself at me, you it kind of took the problem of should I or should I not attack Joel out of the equation. In the last turn, I had to go first because I had the I had the most people on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I hadn't gone first, I would have had the question of me and Jack are at the verge of victory. I might be able to steal 10 points from him if I just go kill one of his cities or two of his cities. Right. And I, I was thinking about it. It makes, well, it makes perfect sense. It's what. Yeah. It's, uh, but then obviously the, the problem was solved by me by A. You know, I needed to build more cities in order to survive. And B, uh, by the time your turn rolled around, uh, Patrick had already knocked me down to, I think, to five cities, which was great because obviously five was all I needed. Mm-hmm. But then we get into the actual chaos at the end of the game, which is Jack and I draw our cards. We both have five cities, which isn't a lot, but it was enough to, to get us over the last hump but you need five yeah um i needed four because of i had wonder the world but so i wasn't all that concerned we, I, I figured if i lose one city we're still we're just going to find out who had the best tech right best numbers in tech and i thought mm-hmm. that that was a fair way to see the the game in i just couldn't leave well enough alone yeah <laughs> We Jack and I were sitting there with no calamities. We both looked at each other and kind of just nodded. We just kind of knew that we didn't need to trade. We were just going to sit there, not trade, see how the game ended. And that's how it should have been. And in that scenario, uh, we would have sat there. We would have found out that Jack had nine extra tech points, which is massive uh, and insurmountable, basically. It would have taken a hard trading round to beat that one, but... We're sitting there in the middle of the trading round, and for whatever reason, I was, you know, going through my tech cards and counting them or something. I th- saw Wonder the World, and I thought, "Oh, Wonder the World! I forgot to draw a card from the six pile." So I draw a card from the six pile, and even though you're not supposed to share cards, you know, me and Jack weren't trading anymore. I showed it to Jack right away. It's epidemic. <laughs> All the cards, right? All the cards to draw, epidemic, you know, taking fifteen damage, just absolutely crippling you. You're gonna I'm gonna be out of the running. So now I have this decision. Do I sit on it because I drew it and I was a dummy? Or do I start to trade? And I think Jack, you pro you also had the option to be like, you know, warn somebody. I, I'd like to refer the jury to previous statement. Jack was checked out at that point. So. Jack was checked out. Yeah. So well, for the best. I made the decision that any selfish person would make, and I traded away the epidemic. Which way, return, I, was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe I managed to because they had just agreed on the trade embargo, and we had had this discussion that you should stick to a trade embargo, and someone always blows it. Yeah. And then there we go. They blew it, and they got epidemic into circulation. What did you get out of that, though? What did they trade you? They traded me treason. Yeah. And that was critical because you, me, and Andrew all had five cities. Yeah. But treason comes in as two. And little did we know, Civil War was in the cards, non tradable. And it's happening no matter what happens. And whoever has the most cities in stock is going to be the beneficiary. So when treason hit me, and then we get into the calamity phase now. I get hit with treason, I lose a city, and as soon and then civil war comes up, I gain everything from the civil war and it was probably the person with the biggest footprint on the map at the time. Yeah, he had just finished rebuilding basically. <laughs> he was just massive and so he lost so much and he also had warfare which exacerbated it. Oh jeez. That's right. And so, and so <laughs> I gained 40 40 worth of units and cities. I went up to from four cities to seven cities. Outrageous. Just hilarious. And I had 40 people on the map so that when pandemic hit, 
I just, well, I'll throw away some of my 40 people. Yeah, it's and not even a Meanwhile, question. you're hit, sitting there on the knife's edge, and <laughs> pandemic pushes you over the knife's edge, and yeah, all of a sudden yeah. you're down to four cities. So you Which don't get to advance forgotten. to the, you yeah. don't get to the advance to the end of the AST. Yeah. I advance the AST alone, get a bonus five points. It's the perfect swing. It's the only swing I needed all of those cities plus the 10 point swing just to just to come even with you yeah so it was just one of those chaotic moments that ended up and i think if we were if we were to go back i'd say like we broke you know a couple rules in that game but that was probably one that we should just take back which yeah. i think we all agree that as with 39 tech to 30 and like no one was even close to you and or or me in second place there, I think uh, you definitely earned the win there. Well, you know, it's it, it's a fun end to the game either way. Um, I, it, two things. It, I honestly think this was the best game I've ever played. Yeah. In terms of just, uh, I made a couple mistakes, but in general, I think I traded the best I've ever traded. And I don't know whether it was coincidence. I definitely wasn't hit by too many awful calamities. Like I avoided civil wars and stuff, which is tremendous. I, I honestly think it's just, civil wars is so bad. Yeah. And and that so gets brutal. into the issue. We've got two minutes left, but it's it is so brutal. And for it to be in the five stack is such an interesting choice. And what Joel and I were talking about afterward, and this is what I think we want to try to house rule or see what happens about is that the ostensibly the purpose of it is it's to punish the player who drew it right away. So you have to make sure it hurts. That's fine. That's easy. It always hurts. The second part is who's it supposed to help? And supposedly it's supposed to help the player doing the poorest. Uh, at least in theme, but in mechanics, it, it just, as Joel pointed out in his example, Joel was uh, second place, tied for first, and just because his city count dropped a little bit, he benefited from it. And it's a, it's a, it was a weird sort of athematic way of representing the Civil War in which the mechanics kind of just facilitated the person who did not need the blue shell ex- uh, assistance or the that sort of rubber band uh, getting it versus perhaps like looking. I don't know who did the 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 poorest in the game. I think maybe was Josh the worst, the the furthest behind. But the guy furthest behind on the AST, you think, would be the beneficiary of it. Um, but Josh was the furthest behind, but by like a point or two points, and was, like the, was not, those people were all within like four points of each other. Well, exactly, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. And so, oh, anyway, that's, that's civil war, the classic calamity that everyone lives in fear of. From the days of original Civ, I think the original Civ Civil War is just even nastier, to be honest. It's it's that bad, but I think we're we're out of time. Uh, I had a great oh. game, and I'm super happy that we got to play it. And hopefully, there's many more down the line, including that and 18xx stuff. And hopefully, we can get more people, perhaps from the Guelph Board Gaming Group, involved too. Because our many listeners, our messing many listeners, anyone listening, join the Guelph Board Gaming Group. It's the easiest way to get in contact with us. And also to see any announcement we might be posting, Joel is currently running a raffle. So now's the best time as ever to hop in and sandbag your own draws. Get yourself a free game from us. And in fact, a couple other people have... Well, one one person's added a game to the raffle. The other person added a poster. Hey, you know what? It's something. It's kind of like a garage sale at this point. I'm tempted to uh, try to figure out to add some games. I'd rather just like do a formal post. but uh, Yeah, and do another one in a year or something. Yeah, well, maybe just yeah, anyway. a thousand. Just stuff. Anyway, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned to CFRU 93.3 FM. Enjoy your summer. Talk to you in a little bit.